0: programs and welcome to another episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast. This week we're talking about two movies, as we always do. My name is Matthew, and with me as always is Simon. Say hello, (laughs) Simon.
1: Thank you, Matthew. I'm very happy to be joining you with apparently our NPR voices today. Um, I
0: I don't know why we're doing that. It just seemed right after watching one of the movies that I literally just finished watching.
1: If we're doing our... Uh, npr voices then we should thank our sponsors survey monkey if you ever need to have a survey <laughs> then use survey monkey it's a monkey that sends out surveys don't don't monkey don't,
0: don't give it away for free oh no don't it's it
1: mailchimp away. yes <laughs> mailchimp yeah. for all your yeah i always love the um i used to listen to serial as did everyone it's like this week we're gonna dive more into this uh, serialized true crime but first mailchimp helps you with all your email needs like it was so perfectly balanced every week it's
0: lovely yeah but i do good, i do a good, like a good portrayal of that is i don't know if you watched it but the uh only murders in the building in the second season when they're diving deeper into the the, the big true crime podcast with cindy canning on npr mm-hmm. and she's talking about like something isn't right in Oklahoma. And now a word from our sponsor, gut milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I
1: watched uh, the first three episodes of the first season of Only Murders in the Building, and it, I it just, I wasn't getting on with it, even though I do like Selena Gomez a lot. And I like Steve Martin, and there's also Martin Short that many other people like. And I just... I think I'd, I don't really like that style of show. I just doesn't do anything Quite What, like, good? <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I prefer to watch really bad things. I, I don't know, slight, like Contrived, and uh, they kind of inspect a clue so their way around, and uh, mystery, mystery Box, and, oh, who's Selena Gomez? Oh, she knows everyone. Like, I, I ain't got time for any of that. That's, I think that's why... I really connected with one of the movies today because there's no, one of the movies we're going to talk about is the opposite of a mystery box. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is an unmysterious flat palette uh, where you can see everything and there's, it just keeps on giving stuff that is not mysterious at all. And it's just like, oh, just have fun. Just have fun. And I think that's my prerequisite these days is to just have
0: immediate fun as much as yeah, possible. I was going to say, I think that um, the two movies we're going to talk about today might prove my thesis from a moment ago, but also I think that you just watch movies in a different way than the rest of us, because you have two kids and a full-time job and no time. That and, might also be true. And uh, yeah, there's definitely a definite, in, in your canon, there's definitely a lean, a definite list towards things that can be consumed in chunks and uh, watched fast mm. and give immediate reward. And that's not a bad thing. I think it's a, a valuable perspective.
1: To to add complication to uh, to that very sound theory, I also like really fucked up music-based existential crises. And so um, the other movie we're going to talk about is perhaps uh, going to be a reflection of that, but not in the way you think. Ooh. Uh, that's some yeah, foreboding.
0: Maybe. <laughs> maybe. 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 Anyway...
1: So have you been? Yeah. What have you been watching this week?
0: What have I been watching this week? Apart from, apart from the two things. A, yeah. Apart from these two things, uh no nah, just hang on, now I have to look it up because life is a blur. You've been watching we, The English, we,
1: apparently. Have you been watching The English? That looks very interesting. I might dive English? into that. With um know. there's uh The English is a TV show with uh Emily Blunt and uh in like eighteen hundreds, America with Native Americans. Uh, oh you not yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe it was so another like, it's like an Amazon record.
0: Prime Western drama that I am right. only just aware that it exists now that it's out because they've done such an excellent job of marketing it. <laughs> yes, not marketed it at all. Yeah. Um, no, we watched. I think the main thing we watched this week was the newest season of The Crown, uh, which you know if you didn't live through it, it is pretty good um it's honestly worth watching just to see elizabeth Debicki play diana yeah. uh it's next level she's next level good in it and i hope she wins or you know is like at least nominated for all the awards all the tv awards um you know there's melissa sutton is always good and um i really like dominic west and i, I like everyone who's in it it's a really well cast show but debicki is so good as diana and i say that as like a lifelong fan of jonathan price who plays philip this time and uh debicki is so good like she's so good even though i know it like glosses over a couple of things that i kind of look into but like um she's so good
1: she's just i Diana's Diana's tricky as well because she's such a combination of very specific things from so many people, and it's very, very impressive to me. I don't watch the crowd, but I have seen some clips with Elizabeth Diplicki in it, and she manages to nail somehow not just the 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 look and the body language of Diana, which was very specific and very uh, intentional on her part. But also her kind of uh, the thing that got her in trouble with the royals was her out of royal gleam, like the way she kind of was her own person and had her own ideas, and that she really gets that side as well in her performance. It's it's really uncanny, actually. It doesn't feel like an imitation. It doesn't feel like a pastiche. Uh, It doesn't feel like a reflection. Like. the other Diana show, what's the, uh, Kirsten, um,
0: Oh, Spencer. I like Spencer. I thought she was quite good.
1: She's an interesting uh, reflection of what Diana was, but this is just like, you could put her in, she could be the, the same person at the same time. It's quite uncanny.
0: Yeah. I think there's a difference in intent there too, where, you know, the crown is like a prestige drama and, uh, you know, not that Spencer isn't that, but Spencer also is, exists in a weird heightened reality. Mm. Uh, of that situation, um, but I think honestly, like now that the crown is out and I've watched it, and there was this big you know, lots of calls for them now that Elizabeth has passed to like not do another season of the show because it might be disrespectful. But like the show probably does a better job of making me understand and feel any kind of sympathy as the royals as human beings than anything in the world is going to. And I know it's highly fictionalized, but for example, yeah. the show does a really good job of of walking the line between charles being a complete cunt to diana but also being entirely sympathetic by being trapped into a situation that he hates like uh, especially when it comes to dealing with camilla you know it's very um. clear that he's in love with her and can't have her and marries diana because mm. that's what everyone else wants and he's totally don't be wrong he is awful to her Ninety nine percent of the time in the show, but it does a really good job of being like, well, he's trapped, and I sort of Mm -hmm. part of me gets it. Part of me gets it. Uh, He shouldn't be such a cunt. but he. Part of me, I I begrudgingly feel (laughs) somewhat sorry for him sometimes in the show, and I think that's an achievement.
1: But it is highly fictionalized. I mean, you don't know. You you can feel sorry for that version of the character, but oh yeah, I'm sure we we have no. I, I. there's, as much as the show does a good job
0: stuff. Of, yeah as much as the show does a good job of portraying real human characters i don't have any evidence to suggest mm. that they are that in real life so mm-hmm. do with that information what you will
1: it's probably I feel far less exciting for, in real life as well they have to make it an interesting show i'm sure it's
0: nowhere near as interesting in real life i don't know i've watched a lot of british dramas and there's a lot of british dramas where people stand around the rooms and go oh hey, someone's done something controversial whatever shall we do Whoa
1: he's down on the heightened drama there. That's that's like the climax of that. Bloody hell.
0: Charles, what are you doing? I say, mummy, I'm marrying someone I don't love.
1: I'm buggering the butler, and then we'll pay
0: him off. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. Being like, I have Diane in the background being like, oh, I have a new dress and new friends, but I'm ever so unhappy.
1: <laughs> it's just... Wait. Why won't you audition for Dinah? Come on, you've got the. Chops I don't have the legs man. for it.
0: <laughs> that's not true. Or the or the. Uh, I believe you man. need a British passport in order to be on that show. Oh, do you? Okay, that's probably fair.
1: Yeah, the cast so. is pretty like pretty prestigious, isn't it? It's like how many how many established British theatre actors can we cram into one show at any one time? And the the answer is many.
0: many yeah. Many, many uh it's um i lost my train of thought um there's an actor whose name has gone out of my brain johnny lee miller johnny lee miller's in the show in season five and he plays john major and that is a little bit mm. i mean I'm, I'm only barely old enough to remember john major as like a person because he was premier prime minister mm-hmm. in the like early late '80s, early 90s after thatcher yeah it was late um yeah. Uh, Yeah, all the way through to, like, I think Tony Blair, like, destroyed him in, like, 96, Mm -hmm. I guess is where the show ends, actually. Um, uh, But it is really weird to see someone who I'm used to playing weird outsiders play someone like John Major. And uh, it works. He's a really good actor, so it works. But, like, I'm used to seeing him as, like, heroin-addicted Sherlock Holmes or, you know, Crash Override from hackers those oh, are the
1: roles that ha- you had to get your hackers reference in didn't you? you just had to
0: yeah the greatest american film of the 1990s
1: <laughs> so what's really interesting listeners is that i love my group of friends like with an intensity and most of them are really into hackers and what i keep reminding them there's a really bad film but it doesn't seem to matter because they're all tech heads and they were there at the beginning man and i think nostalgia really like really helps here it. and it, it, i get the feeling this is their star wars right this is their like mm-hmm. late teens star wars
0: i mean if anything other than star wars was going to be my star wars it would be the last starfighter so no <laughs> it's not oh <actually> <sighs> wow that's yeah starfighter, eh? yeah that's a great film it's, it's um, fine perfectly, perfectly cromulous 80s action adventure <laughs> it's that i love totally loved. fine
1: with absolutely dreadful effects. But it's fine, even for the time, that it was fine. Uh, yes, but yeah. um, uh, I, the thing about John Major, what really amuses me about having John Major as a character in any kind of drama is that he was famous in England for being almost completely without emotion or reaction, even when he got angry. And he had a stupid little squeaky voice. And he was just... The if you if you can picture the most boring like Eton politician you can think of, straight laced and almost without any kind of passion, which is why one of the many many reasons why Tony Blair wiped the floor with him because he was young and he was passionate and and John Major represented this like dying breed of dusty conservative so the idea that johnny lee miller is is conveying him in a drama show is like i want to watch that because any yeah. any moment where john major comes in and holds the scene is going to be completely unrealistic because he was not capable of doing that so maybe i should watch it
0: well he's very undramatic in the show even when at the, toward <laughs> the end when he eventually loses the election he's like Wake up one morning and you're the most powerful man in England. And the next day, next moment you are not. I
1: say, good day. Good, good day. Good well, that sounds day. completely completely accurate. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, so, so, speaking um, speaking of bad movies, let's move on to our first film. Oh,
1: that's not fair. That's not fair.
0: Uh, you just called Hackers a bad movie, so yes. <laughs> if we're going to move on to bad movies that half of us like, then we're going to talk about our next
1: movie. I thought you kind of liked it. What movie are we talking about here?
0: Uh, so mean, we are talking cause... about the the David Leitch-directed, Brad Pitt-starring uh, Boarfest Bullet Train, which... <gasps> Borefest? I, Dude! Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's basically my reviews Come that I'm on bored. What? For the most of this movie, man. What? Come so, on, dude. the uh, The basic plot here is that Brad Pitt is some kind of operator, some kind of hitman or yeah, hitman, I guess. And he's contracted to go onto a bullet train and retrieve a bag. And he's filling in for someone called Carver. And then when he gets onto the train, the bag is the center of like several different plots. Several different people are competing to find this bag. And uh, reportedly, hilarity ensues, but I missed it. I must have missed that part of the movie. <laughs> oh, um, there's, a, there's exactly one thing that I did like about this movie, and I th- and that's that I really did actually enjoy most of the things that came out of Brad Pitt's mouth. I thought he was very funny. I thought that he did a, his, like, I just smoked a huge bowl of weed right before I filmed any particular scene persona. Ooh. worked worked really well, even though uh i didn't like most of the movie i i thought that um brian tell henry was fun and i thought that uh aaron taylor johnson did it was in a acting as though he was in a much better movie basically um but most of this movie's boring most of this movie's so boring it's okay I... <laughs> it's exactly the kind of movie that like i as a person who generally like has liked most of david leech's films this this movie is the same level of boring that people tell me atomic blonde is and that's a movie that i really like
1: (gasps) oh you're so wrong oh my god i love it when you're wrong because i can just revel in it it's like standing in front of a sun lamp
0: (laughs) well you're i mean
1: but now i'm i'm about to be wrong for you so that's fine
0: yeah like art is subjective man and yeah, also you're I mean, about I,
1: hackers, so I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's because I pissed you off about hackers, isn't it? Of course. Um, no, this is well, my I...
0: genuine reaction. I, 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 I was. There's a. It gets better right towards the very end when all of the shit hits the fan all at once. But most of this movie I found extremely boring.
1: Interesting. Um. Uh, uh, the mirror description of that is Brad Pitt is on a train with a bunch of other people all trying to do different things that turn out to be the same thing and it is all over the place in terms of pacing like this film has no like act pacing whatsoever and it's, it's, uh, it's based on a book and it is not there's no attempt to transfer from a book structure to a film structure. Like every 20 minutes of this movie is a chapter very, very clearly. And obviously, so you've got like random action scenes and then you've got extended dialogue and then you've got flashbacks and then you've got an ending, which turns into another ending. And it just goes on on and on and on and on and on. And it's so just goofy. I had a great time with this film because, um, the the when it all comes together all these disparate elements come together it's kind of this that it feels nice when all these lines converge and everyone is having fun in this film and do you know what i really felt like when i was watching this film it's my same reaction when i watched oh my god sandra bullock is a writer and she gets kidnapped and and Charlie Tatum has to go rescue her what was that film
0: Oh, The
1: Lost City earlier. This the season. Lost City. So The Lost City I really liked because it reminded me of a very old-fashioned kind of idea that movies can kind of be goofy. I don't mean stupid. I mean just, like, goofy and over-the-top and, and can basically be what is clearly the cast is a bunch of mates who get together and make quite a goofy movie that has some stupid, like, U-turns in it. And this felt like the same kind of thing to me. It It had such a like i really liked Brad Pitt trying not to get involved like it it made me laugh many many times that he's just trying to not do most of this he doesn't really want to kill anyone but he will he doesn't want to do anything more than just get this thing and get off the train and, and so he can go back to his zen like life but people keep just screwing that up for him and i do uh really enjoy his reactions when he doesn't really know what's going on when when various people are trying to kill him and he doesn't really know why and he doesn't know what's going on and who's who and w- when he kind of pieces it together it's quite satisfying the standout though is aaron taylor johnson's tangerine and i don't have the rest of the cast list to tell you oh it's brian tyree henry is lemon and these yeah. two um oh it was logan lurban was it i didn't recognize yeah. him um these two british assassins who are doing a seemingly different job to brad pitt but of course it all gets tangled up into the same thing and
0: um so i, I have they a, I have they, a they a are they are funny I a, yes i have a very important question for you <laughs> yes yes uh brian tyree henry's british accent yes or no uh
1: are you telling me he's not british
0: yeah he's american
1: no yeah you're joking
0: See also Joey King, yes or no,
1: um Joey King well,
0: i I would she's, believe she's, that that was she's an the, assumed she's act. the Prince,
1: yeah, I would I, where have I seen her before by the way,
0: all over the fucking place. She's in the actress and um, everything when they need like a, a young woman to play something, it's often her right. right.
1: Her accent was very, very clipped. I don't um uh, that doesn't surprise me, but uh Brian Terryry Henry's British accent was as authentic as Aaron Taylor Johnson's who is English and uh, especially as (laughs) Brian Brian Terry Henry um, has a theory that Thomas the Tank Engine, the cast of Thomas the Tank Engine can help you analyze who is who in a certain certain situation. It's a running joke that he always calls people Thomas's and and Diesel's. And there's one uh, brilliant part, which I'm not sure many people would get, but um his part of Tangerine is mocking him, mocks him quite a lot about this, about oh, what would Thomas say? He would say this. And at one point, when Aaron Taylor-Johnson is doing a, uh, an impression of Thomas the Tank Engine saying something, he goes into a Liverpool accent. And that's because in England, Thomas the Tank Engine was narrated by Ringo Starr of The Beatles. And it's just such a perfect like moment. I thought he was narrated where, by
0: Ringo Starr of The Beatles everywhere.
1: No, in America, not? it's not. No, no. In America, he, it wasn't Ringo Starr.
0: And uh, uh it was when I was growing up, but I live in Canada, so who knows? Oh,
1: the Canada's uh, the weird middle ground, isn't it? But um, I have seen Aaron Taylor Johnson in other movies and not liked him. I didn't like him in that boring Godzilla movie, I didn't like him in um, Second Avengers movie, but mainly because those aren't good movies and uh, he's he's in that, but in this, he is just brilliant. And uh, he is English anyway, and his American accent is perfect, but he obviously uses a British accent in this. And he really, really captures, there's a couple of moments in this, the very British idea of swearing a lot and calling people all kinds of things until... Uh, if you accidentally swear in front of a minor, there's one point where he apologizes because he sees Joey King. He's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to uh, say anything in front of the young lady. And then moves on and he's like, oh, you (laughs) can't. And it's so perfectly, like, realized. um, And obviously he's British, so he gets it anyway. But I I loved his character. I loved his interplay with Tangerine, uh, with Lemon, sorry, um, as they kind of lose the plot and lose control of the situation. I loved it, and uh, it's just a really fun movie. I fell asleep for the, for twenty minutes in the middle because that's <laughs> that's that's no reflection on this movie. I literally <laughs> fall asleep in every single movie. And uh, so it's I like, went.
0: This is a fun movie that held my attention. Also, I fell asleep for no, twenty no, no. minutes in the I, middle. I fell asleep.
1: Listen, one of the best sleeps I've had as an adult is when I went to see God the second Godzilla movie and they had reclining chairs and i slept through that whole film i put the chair back and i slept through the whole thing with the noise on so the noise helps me sleep anyway i went back and rewatched that 20 minutes and it is a really i watched way more than that 20 minutes because it's really rewatchable because it's I, a it's series I
0: well entirely.
1: it's a it's a series of it's basically a series of vignettes that kind of loosely link together that yeah. and the whole the whole film doesn't have a three-act structure and it goes on way too long but it's kind of it if you treat it like five episodes as it should have been it should have been five episodes of a limited series uh, uh, there's no question that it should have been that instead of a movie if you treat it like that uh um and i was on board (laughs) i was on board with that anyway uh it really worked for me. It worked like gangbusters. Like, it's the kind of stupid thing I, I, I will put on in the background while I cook and clean and just chuckle to myself as Aaron Taylor Johnson calls someone a cunt. It's great.
0: I <laughs> I will say that I will agree that Aaron Taylor Johnson was having a good time and is fun and is generally a performer who I like. Um, this movie is boring, man. I was bored. <laughs> I was so bored for most of this movie. It has nothing to do with structure. It's that like 99% of the jokes don't land. Uh, I felt that Joey King's accent was generously, I will say, uneven. Uh, and also not really, you know that kind of British accent that that when you are making, when you're doing like an accent, but you don't like have a region in mind? That. Yes, like my
1: <laughs> American accent.
0: Yeah, it doesn't feel real. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Brian Tyree Henry's at least did. Um, oh, I, I think that, uh, um, Hiroyuki Sonata shows up in this and it's a total waste of him. I feel like even mm-hmm. among, you know, David Leitch is, is at this point famous for making movies that have extended one take really well choreographed fight scenes. And every single fight scene in this is edited to hell. And I can't see what the hell is going on. Uh, even when you have performers like Hiroyuki Sonada who can like hold his own in a sword fight just be- because he's awesome. Um, I feel like every single fight that Brad Pitt was in, again, edited to to high heaven, couldn't couldn't see any...
1: I had any no problem with that at all.
0: Uh, I mean, this is like, I'm like a broken record on this point, to be fair. But, to be fair. Um, to but, be fair. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I just found... And then also, like, every time anything happened in the movie, I was like, this is what's going to happen next. And then it would happen. I was at... Oh, was at this n- is no. No point surprised. <laughs> Why not are you watching this like,
1: kind of movie expecting to be surprised, though?
0: I mean, lots of movies can be surprising, or lots of movies can be can be what I expect, but in a way that I enjoy. And this was neither of those things. Oh. It, it was just too too flat. And I'm I'm sure I'm not the most qualified person to speak on this point, but as an adaptation of a book, which A, I find I just like you're trying to tell me this wasn't a comic book that's weird anyway um because it feels like a comic book the way that it's made mm-hmm. um but also as a comic book that was written by a japanese person and features japanese characters maybe if they were going to cast a bunch of white people they should have moved it to europe i'm just saying i know i'm not the most qualified to speak on that point as a white dude of european descent but also like I don't know. It just feels there like is... maybe we, should, we should definitely move past this sort of like whitewashing of Asian people in cinema. And this is a prime example of a time where they could have just like moved the setting or cast Japanese people. And I think it would have been the same movie.
1: There was that one moment where. Brad Pitt's eating wasabi peas and goes, "Oh, wasabi!" I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! Don't, yeah. don't, don't do that."
0: <laughs> and don't be wrong. I'm not trying to accuse anyone of like overt racism. I'm just saying that like there's mm-hmm. a long history of of passive, casual Asian people don't sell movies, so we can't cast them, which is entirely. That's fine. I
1: mean, it's, it's it's yeah, but it's business. I mean, this is always this has no, been the same for for years, it's... all the years of Hollywood.
0: Like, yeah, it doesn't make it right. I'm I so am i, makes, I
1: I don't disagree with you, but it, they're they're trying to sell a story to an American audience. This is the easiest way to do it, and I I'm sure the budget for this wasn't very high. And I mean, there's... In, a,
0: in, a, in a okay, I disagree because a Brad Pitt is in it, <laughs> so the budget yeah, that's where satisfied. the
1: budget. I mean, that's where the budget went. This is David uh, Lee's also, like mates,
0: and like in the in the in the last two years, we've had everything ever all at once, and we've had Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and we've had. Ms. Marvel, and we've had all kinds of stuff that proves that all of that is bullshit, so I'm just... Dude, yeah. this, this is not that movie. This is not I'm that a, kind I'm of not, movie. I'm not trying to say that it is any kind of movie other than that, like, if they were going to cast a bunch of white people, maybe it should have been a bullet train in Germany or something, you know? Like, mm. not, mm-hmm. not still in Japan. I feel like they were just, you know, that sort of Hollywood Asian fetishism of Japan I think is highly prevalent in this movie.
1: It didn't do it as bad as that Mary Elizabeth Winstead assassin movie, which was ridiculous for that. I can't remember what that was called now. Oh but yeah, um, Kate.
0: It's called Kate.
1: Kate. Oh, that was that
0: was yeah. rough. Although I would but... I would classify this in the same my my like one sentence review of that movie could actually be my one sentence review of this movie, which is people who think that John Wick or Atomic Blonde have a style versus substance problem should watch this movie and see what that actually looks like.
1: I mean, the differences between this and Kate and Atomic Blonde is that this just felt like they their only intention was to have fun. Like they weren't, I find Atomic Blonde very like Poe faced and I, I'm not a fan of that movie, as you know. Kate just wasn't handled very well at all. But this just felt like, and there's so many actors in this who basically have walk-on parts. That's clearly David Leach picking, going through his little black book and saying, hey, do you want to come and just be on set for a day? And while Brad Pitt does his stuff. Because, and there there was, there's not a serious note to this whole thing. There's a a few like emotional beats, but they get scrubbed out very, very quickly uh, by reversals. It it is a movie that only wants to have fun. I think that's probably why it didn't get reviewed very well as well, because it's not trying to be any like, uh, or even an engaging action movie like Speed is, for example, or, an action movie that has gravitas, it's not interested in gravitas at all, it's barely interested in having a structure. Um, and uh, I don't know, I like throwaway, and this felt really fun. Throwaway, I mean, they've got Karen Fukuhara as like one walk on part offering someone a bottle of water, and she's a like fantastic act- actor and voice actor. And one, I'm not gonna spoil it because it is a spoiler, but. A, a, an actor that I love uh, who appears in uh, another um, David Leach movie is in this very, very briefly. And she's always great as well.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I same with, um, there's a couple of grid cameos for sure. Like, mm-hmm. the problem with this movie, I think what makes me feel so passionately that it's not good is that it is frustratingly close to being good. But it's just not. I just Mm -hmm. I was bored the whole time. If it had, if it had made me, if anyone other than Brad Pitt had made me laugh one time, I might have a different opinion. But really, uh, I I just found it boring. I found the Thomas most of the the jokes. The Thomas the Engine
1: discussions between Tangerine and Lemon didn't crack a smile.
0: That I mean, that was clever. You know, it was it was a fun detail between obvious brothers. Uh, it did not, <laughs> you know, if, if I guess my point is if you're going to bill your movie as comedy, as an action comedy, I should be laughing and Ooh, I was dear. not.
1: Maybe that's the thing, but I did find it entertaining, I did laugh, so maybe that's why it landed better for me. And I, I also thought the action was good, I didn't have any trouble with the action this time. So, hmm. to I think we're very close, we're just either side of that middle line, aren't we? with this
0: film probably
1: how many yeah. how many stars are you giving this
0: i will we'll give it uh two i'll give it yeah two.
1: i'm giving i'm giving it a three and a three that i absolutely loved it's not it doesn't deserve more than three but this is the kind of film that when it comes when it's on a sale on itunes i'm gonna buy the hell out of it and put it on in the background a lot because it is yeah. a great funny background action movie
0: i might i might watch it again when it's on streaming because it'll eventually mm-hmm. be there. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, not if there's anything else to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's move on then from this uh, throwaway movie, a point we both agree on for the record, Mm -hmm. uh, into something a little more serious. Uh, Let's just roll out the red carpet for Admiral Hot Takes here as we talk about... Come on, dude, don't build it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, Todd Field's return to filmmaking after 16 years away, uh, "Tar," starring Kate Blanchett, uh, along with Noemi Merlant, Nina Haas, Sophie Coward, Julian Glover, and Mark Strong. Um, the, why don't you give us the rundown on "Tar," just the, <laughs> the, the the basic plot here or the basic setup at least, mm-hmm. since uh, I did. Tar...
1: Tar is a supposed biography, even though Tar is not a, a real person, it's a supposed biography of uh, world-renowned conductor, uh, maestro Lin- Lydia Tar, who um, is a resident in Berlin and um, is highly, highly regarded and well-known for being kind of punk with her approach to it and that she she talks a lot about controlling time and she talks a lot about playing simple things in new ways and and reducing things down and changing things up. So she's not a traditionalist at all. and uh, she's very verbose and she um, it gets very intensely connected to the music and the, the will of the composer of that music. And she is um, she has no filter. She, she doesn't hold back from the opinions of which she has many. And this film is really uh, two and a half hour fall from grace as her, um, uh, as her, uh, the way she treats others comes around and um, brings her down to a different level, and she has to face certain demons, and she all all in the midst of this, it's framed with her uh, preparing. Um, a Symphony orchestra to perform Maha's fifth um, symphony, which is part of his ring cycle, uh, part of his cycle that she hasn't performed before. It's very, very complex, and there's lots of shots of her trying to express this German symphony orchestra about how to uh, push this music out more and be more emotional with it. And then um, the human side of this is her maintaining her relationship with her. Uh, is it established wife or girlfriend? It's not, is it? Her partner. Oh, yeah, her partner. Wife, anyway. Oh partner, definitely, who is the chief violinist of this orchestra. And then there's this rising new cellist who catches her eye and becomes her muse. And um, the thing about Tara is that she is, uh, she, these these are her forward emotions. And then the consequences of these emotions sort of gather in the second half of the movie. Um, and it's it's framed as a, a bit of an existential crisis stroke uh, exp- exploration of uh, an artistic genius getting too wrapped up in their muse and wrapped up in their passion and hitting walls. And it's all that, any kind of artist that creates music or, or any kind of creation art will recognize many of the things she goes through here. And um, and it didn't work for me at all. What's your take? Uh, I
0: liked it. I didn't like it as much as uh, some other people that we are acquainted with, but I liked it a lot. Um, this is a story, I would say less about her being an artistic genius and more about a person who is wrapped up in and corrupted by her own power in her life. And uh very much uh you know a me too story the whole thing sort of hinges on her past treatment of her the people who are under her like the whole thing is about the people who are under her like the first scene of the movie is an extended uh conversation where she's on stage speaking with the new yorker and she presents this very um professional exterior this, this visage and uh the beginning of that interview is the new yorker guy like being in- incredibly flattering and fawning over all of her various achievements and it becomes very clear very very quickly that she can she's only where she is because of the people she's stepped on to get there and about halfway through the movie some of that comes back to her. um it's a long movie it's a it is a i would say maybe a difficult movie to watch it's definitely not going to resonate with everyone i think that this is one of those movies where the sort of like critic versus audience divide on rotten tomatoes is very understandable as it's something that is many layers of nuance and also difficult to watch at like legitimately difficult to watch at times um and even that first scene is one that I can see lots of people getting it like watching and being like, Nope, Nope, Nope. I'm not, I don't have the, no, I'm not dealing with this. Um, but, um, it is tremendously acted by Kate Blanchett. I am 100% sure that she's going to receive at least nominations for all the big awards. Uh, not the least of which is for like, I fully, it won't be this scene, but like I would, there's a, a one take, conversation as she's teaching a class that is absolutely phenomenal that makes clear what kind of terrible person she is uh pretty early on yeah yeah. um i think it's also the supporting cast is pretty universally great noemi merlot most famous for portrait of a lady on fire is in this as her as tar's long-suffering personal assistant um and Mark Strong is in this because he's contractually obligated to be in all the movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Julian really Glover is. has a very small part as the as Lydia Tarr's predecessor as conductor of the Berlin Symphony Orchestra. Um, and he's he's only shows up a couple of times, but he's, he's kind of like weirdly magnetic as this sort of doddering old man who clearly isn't mm. as doddering as she thinks he is and i think that the the most interesting thing about this film is that it never wavers from following lydia like following tar through the whole movie even when there's important things that are happening to do with other characters that she's not immediately present for the film stays with her and it really reinforces how uh blind uh or oblivious she is to just the people around her and the way that they're feeling and the way that they're reacting to the way she's treating them i think it was a it's a really smart and interesting way to tell that story but also in a way that definitely like would can make it hard to watch like not only is she being a terrible person but like there there's legitimately in the back half of this movie there's like legitimately important plot stuff that happens off camera because it happens with Mm -hmm. other people and the film is wholly focused on lydia tar through throughout and I, I think that's really interesting, but I, I can sort of get why some people might bounce off that. Mm-hmm. So, what about it didn't work for you though? Like I thought, well, no, you know, I can I can say that like Kate Blanchett is phenomenal in this, and it'll be worth watching mm-hmm. just to see her perform.
1: She is a fantastic performer. I don't really disagree with anything you're saying, except I I really dislike the script. Um, the the cast did their best with like throughout everyone was great even mark strong i'm kind of cold on sometimes but i thought he was really good in this as well and Mm -hmm. everyone was was good and it was shot very nicely and i have to say the the scenes with the actual music were phenomenal like the sound mix was was really really good and it was the whole thing was shot beautifully anyway lots of it was a little cold i think but there was a lot of space and it was very very nice but there's a couple of things I didn't like, and the primarily was the script. I thought it was extremely pretentious and performative, even when it wasn't meant to be those things. And it didn't, it didn't sound like the real words that would ever come out of a human whilst talking to another human. No, I do. I'm sure part of that is showing Tars disconnect from any kind of humanity as she talks to anyone because the whole film is about her fall from grace because she she talks down to everybody she she is such a superiority complex because of her accolades and because of her experience so sure that's part of it too but it's the whole film for me even the moments where she is brought down even the moments of emotional delivery there wasn't a single line in this movie that sounded like a real action or reaction to me from anyone. And the other thing that really, um, I was disappointed in, in this film is that I was expecting the, the music to reflect her cracking psyche. Like she starts hearing sounds, um, coming from, um, sometimes places she can't determine, and they're often very difficult sounds and she's trying to create music at the same time. I was expecting the crescendo of this film to be a a dramatically uh a dramatic uh orchestration of the maha symphony, but in a in a way that sounds like it's almost falling apart. I was expecting the end to be music showing her reduction of her status and the reduction of her like psychic, her uh, psychological togetherness with an incorporation of all these sounds she was hearing that may or may not have been a sign of her like musical psychosis creeping in. And um, it didn't really go there. It, I thought it would, there's in the last 20 minutes, we, we almost get there. There is a, a, again, a beautifully shot, orchestra moment, and then she makes a very dramatic entrance to that moment, but then it it actually dissipates really, really quickly, and it goes somewhere completely different as an escape, and I felt like the, the end of the movie missed an opportunity for me to use the thing that she is passionate about, the thing that she has been trying to express the whole time, which is... Getting across the composer's intention, like using music as feelings, and there is um right at the end, there's a uh, uh an interview she listens to that basically lays it down very, very plainly about how she feels about music that it is an emotional expression where the, ex- the notes express emotions that we don't have words for, and I think the film could have used that, and and I was expecting something, uh I was expecting more. Of an existential crisis using the music as a backing for that and it just felt like it fills it out at the end i was just and and also the the crux of the main um the main drama in the second half of this film where she becomes quite besotted with a muse was quite a basic story It it was a it was a very complicated movie to of telling a very basic story and it just didn't it didn't work for me
0: I mean, I would say that, um, I mean, I can taste this objective, so I can't, like, say you're wrong, but um, I would say that the, I think, especially the 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 story you're talking about with the muse being fairly basic, I think that's pretty intentional, because it's a pretty oft-repeated story on the page, and in real life, of, you know, an abusive person in a place of power, like, this is a, you know, even though Lydia Tarr is a female character, this is a me too story, like, She is, the the implication is that she has been doing this for years, like singling out young, pretty women and giving them solos and taking advantage of them sexually and then casting them aside. Like, that's not, you're right, that's a pretty basic story. It's also an oft-repeated one, and I think trying to make it anything more than that might have done that sort of part of the story a disservice, because it would have taken the focus maybe off of her and put it onto the other person a little too much um at least in terms sure, of the it, music you know. I, so, I sort of liked uh the score by uh hildur and i always pronounce this but uh one daughter she won previously won an oscar for the score for joker um Aww. and it's you're right it is very subtle compared to what a uh, different film might have been but i didn't mm. mind that I, I liked that it was you know the whole film is very much in her head and even towards the end when she is at one point she like busts out an accordion and sings loudly but even in those moments she still clearly believes that she's being rational because she's yeah. very deluded and so I sort of I like that the music didn't go the way you were talking about because she uh, if, if the movie's entirely in her head and she's thinking she's rational the whole time then it makes sense the way they played it to me
1: I I don't know I in a film that is so expressive about the the meaning of music, especially to her, I wanted it to go further. I wanted a a, a I wanted a, a challenging musical finale to to reflect the challenges she was going through. And to I thought we were going there when she starts hearing all these different sounds, and, and I was wondering maybe if that was going to be incorporated and and i think maybe it wasn't just a basic story it was just told in a very basic way it wasn't I, maybe i'm i'm sounding like you this time i wasn't surprised in any way i wasn't confronted in any way by this film you mentioned earlier that some parts are difficult to watch i didn't find any of this movie difficult to watch there's many parts where i think wow she's kind of like when she does her her teaching session and you don't, I'm a teacher, but you don't need to be a teacher to know that she's terrible as a teacher in that session. Like, really mm. confrontational. Um, but the, I, I didn't find any of it difficult to watch because I didn't believe any of it. And it didn't yeah. go where I thought a film about music and about psyche didn't go as far as I think it should have.
0: Well, yeah, I guess I think the difference here is that I... For me the movie's not about the music the movie's about power the movie's about power it's about uh you know cancel culture it's about um the way that people in positions of power treat the people under them um so i think that our sort of reaction to the movie makes sense in that framing in that different framing and i think also that like it has a thing kind of like the end of the end of this movie which is uh, it's kind of a spoiler, but the end of this movie has something in common with the end of The Wolf of Wall Street, where she kind of, for all her being canceled, like, she's still working. And I think that's also kind of the point. It's, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting movie. And I totally get why anyone would bounce off of it, including mm. you. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's also just not a movie be. that, it's also not a movie that meets, you know, your general, like, quickly consumable in chunks type movie, this is a movie that's not
1: true no 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 that's not true like my the, i i watch lots of films that aren't easily consumable and i think if they tell a story in an interesting way i'm there like i watched um uh what's that brilliant site canopy i watched a film on canopy recently and it completely absorbed me uh well, no, i was and... saying more that
0: like i don't think this film would do well by being broken up into chunks is all i'm trying to say I think it's mm. as, as a singular experience I think it would be uh better. I feel it would have lost what what momentum it had would be lost by breaking it up personally.
1: I don't know. I I don't think I connected with the drama or the characters as strongly as you did. So even if I'd watched it in one chunk I'm not sure it would have made much difference. Like I didn't yes. I didn't believe I didn't believe in what I was watching. I didn't believe them at all. So that's
0: fair enough. I, uh, how I'll many say, stars? I, I I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as many other people we know have liked it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. how many stars? What's are Two you stars. It? I'm going two for tar. Two Ooh, for tar. Two for tar. Yeah. Four yeah. For tar Kate Blanchett
1: one. was. Oh, interesting. Kate Blanchett was fantastic, so it's a two star. And the music was was gorgeous when they actually like. And the cello is my favorite instrument, and there's a lot of cello in this, and it is there's one there's one point where the young cellist uh demonstrates there in a rehearsal of uh, uh is it, are they doing a beethoven or a bach i can't remember or brahms i can't remember anyway the cellist with the whole rest of the orchestra who's been shot to the front because she's been given this preferential treatment by tar um does this solo and everyone is just like shocked at the way she controls this cello because it's very sharp and very edgy and i wanted like more of like that that's one scene where the music does that and i really wanted the, the film to do more of that
0: yeah. but yeah it's two uh, the stars. concerto the the the, the <clears> solo that woman does is elgar's cello concerto oh
1: elgar of course if i didn't just bloody watch this movie you think
0: i'd remember that but yeah no, i had to look it up too <laughs> um uh, also, true story: the young woman who plays that cellist, Sophia Cower. Cower, um, yeah, is first-time actor. She's a cellist, not an actor.
1: <laughs> that doesn't surprise yeah. me because yeah. uh, and, and I I, think th- I thought I, she was
0: great. Actually, I like,
1: think yeah, she was great. I think um, Kate Blanchett was miming the piano. I don't think she was playing the piano. But when we when we watch her character play the cello, I was like, okay, she is she's a phenomenal cellist. I wonder if she's an actor as well. And uh, she was great. She had a good authenticity to her.
0: Yeah, yeah, she's good. She um, I looked her up earlier. She graduated from one of the big prestigious schools and plays oh. professionally and so on and so forth. Cool. But yeah, so that is tar. Two stars from you. Four stars from tar. me an average of three which is well below uh even my but to be fair my rating is well below most people's rating too lots of people love this um, film and i think it's definitely one worth seeing uh because again kate blanchett is one of the great actors of our time and she is um, stunning in this so great and uh i really like todd field as a director he's only directed like three films and this is his first one in like 15 or 16 years so mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely worth excellent seeing. so so what, what do, uh, what's let's...
1: coming up in our next week before we wrap up what's waiting i
0: fresh? have no idea lots of stuff uh if well, all goes to plan we will be watching the guardians of the galaxy holiday special oh. um and something else and another thing i don't know what the other thing is yet which uh, holiday
1: that's... is it referring to
0: uh, it's obviously the christmas holiday or maybe it's oh, life day it's, <laughs> because it's holiday because it's very much a play on the star wars holiday spe- special I think so do life life day. Day. amazing i don't know but and i do know that i do know that kevin bacon is in it so that alone makes me excited
1: more importantly it's the andor finale on wednesday and that's probably something we should talk about as well because that has been absolutely phenomenal like yeah, no spoilers I'm still
0: one behind, but yes, oh, that show Oh, shit. Okay, I'm glad you grand. told me.
1: Yeah, Yo, you should get on that, like, right yeah. now. Yeah. Good. I should. Good.
0: <laughs> well, let's, let's wrap it up there, then. That has been... Uh, so, uh, Bullet Train is available to rent wherever you are. Tar is still in theaters and also available on premium on demand, so pay for it however you want to pay for it. But I do think it's worth seeing. Um... The, if, uh, words, English, (laughs) language, some people have way with words. Other people not have way. And I are (laughs) one of them. Uh, (laughs) uh, Come (laughs) on. Find your
1: NPR voice to to wrap this up. Come on.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We would like to take this opportunity to thank every one of our new followers. If you found us via Amazon music, which we are apparently featured on this week. uh, Welcome. We are glad to have you. If you've been listening to a while, we're glad to have you as well. If you've liked what you heard, please consider subscribing or smashing that (laughs) like button or giving us a five-star review. Absolutely. Please do smash Uh, it. If you'd like to support us a little more directly, uh, you can find Patreon and Kofi links in the show notes. You can find us on social media by searching for Awesome Friday. The main place you can find us is Twitter. You can find me at Matthew AF, and him at TemporaryPen and us at Awesome Friday CA for as long as that site remains active, which is probably <laughs> a little longer than you think, but maybe not. We don't know. It's all a big mess right now. Uh, We record this here in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh and Squamish nations. Thank you for joining us on this awesome podcast. Thank you so much. Good evening.